So I'm really excited to get to share with you all tonight. Um, as you know, we've been going through a series in Ephesians called Waging War. And tonight we're going to talk about our last section of Ephesians. Isn't that cool? Like, we went, we went through, everyone got a Bible? We good? Okay, cool. I think we're going in Bibles. Um, we went through, like, a whole book of the Bible together as a group. And I don't know about you guys, but, like, I learned so much. I feel like I know the book of Ephesians way better than I did before, and I'm super aware of spiritual warfare now. So I've super enjoyed that, um, and I'm excited to finish the last section tonight. But before we get into the text, uh, can I tell you guys a story? Thank you. Um, How many of you in this room would consider yourself a hiker? Yeah? Wow. Okay, good. There's a good number of you. I'm so happy for you all. I do not consider myself a hiker. (laughs) I love, love the idea of hiking in theory. You know, be outside and enjoy the fresh air, get some exercise. But in practice, I got to tell you, it's not my thing. I always end up, like, looking at the ground because I don't know if I'm, like, clumsy or something. But if I don't, I fall down. (laughs) Um, And instead of, like, enjoying nature and being relaxed, I always think a cougar is going to eat me or something like that. So I don't know. Hiking is just not, like, my thing. And I know that about myself now, but back in college, I was still figuring it out, okay? Uh, So my sophomore year at spring camp out, actually, I got invited to go on the hike. And the friends who invited me, uh, you know, they were like, hey, Meredith, like, we're going on this hike. We heard it's going to be really fun. And, you know, it's pretty easy. Like, it's only, like, two hours. And we we actually haven't gone on it ourselves, but, like, we've heard it's really easy. Okay, so this is information I'm given. And naively, I was like, okay, sure, I'll, like, try this fun, easy hike. So we start going, and we kind of walk across the road from where we're camping, and we come to, like, this this hill cliff thing. Um, it, it's, it's not quite a mountain. It would be a mountain, like, in the south. Here it's, like, a big hill, okay? Um, and when I was thinking of hiking, I was thinking, like, a trail would be nice or, like, a path to follow. And we get to the base of this mount or this hill thing, and it's like boulders, like like huge boulders taller than like my head. And then there's like the little boulders and the crevices that like you step on, and they like crash down the hill. Um, so we start climbing up these boulders up like the side of this mountain, and my friends are like, "Isn't this great? This is so much fun. We're hiking." And I'm like, "We're climbing a mountain. We should be like strapped in." <laughs> And so we start going and going, and like an hour and a half in, we're still going up the mountain. At this point, my friends are like, oh, I don't really know if this is the right way. And I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, this is not a two-hour hike. Um, And I start to realize that I am just horribly unequipped for this hike. Like, I think we actually have a picture, maybe? Yep, okay, so this is me. As you can see, I'm in, like, jeans right here. And it's, like, 80 degrees outside. I had, like, flat-bottomed tennis shoes on. Uh, I didn't bring water. I don't know why, but I thought we were going on a quick, easy hike, so I didn't bring water. And long story short, we made it somewhere up, like, we had a view. (laughs) Um, But it took us, like, six hours. And we got lost multiple times. And we're gone the entire free time at spring camp out. Okay, so this, this is my hiking experience. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, in years to come, people go on this hike at spring camp out 
every year. Probably some of you guys have gone on the spring camp out hike, right? And they go, and they enjoy it, and they have fun. And so what was the difference, like what is the difference between their experience where they go and have fun and my experience? Well, they're equipped. <laughs> because now at spring camp out, we have someone who one knows where they're going and can actually get you to the trail. Uh, we tell people to bring water. We tell people, you know, wear their right shoes. And they go and they, they hike for three hours. And it's great. And they have fun because they are equipped. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you realize just how important it is to be equipped? You know, it could be something like my hike where you were really unequipped and you put yourself in danger. <laughs> Or maybe you've experienced the reverse, where you have worked really, really hard to prepare for a test or an interview or a sports event or something like that, and you have gone into it really equipped and you have succeeded. Probably at this point in all of our lives, we have realized how valuable this is. But have we ever thought about the importance of being equipped for spiritual battle? All quarter, we've been talking about waging war against the devil and his demons. But have we actually thought about how to practically prepare and equip ourselves for this? You know, if I, was if I need to be equipped to take a test or go on a hike or something small and simple like that, how much more should we be equipped for spiritual battle? So tonight we're going to be talking about how the Lord equips us to wage war against the devil. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, um, God, I just thank you so much for bringing all of us here tonight. God, thank you so much that we get to come and we get to read your word and we get to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would have our ears open to your Holy Spirit and what you want to communicate through Ephesians 6. Um, yeah, so Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, God, that we would hear what you have to say and that we would apply it in our lives. Amen. Cool. So I'm actually going to have Caden uh, stand up, and he's going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 24 for us. Awesome. Thanks so much for reading, Caden. So this is a really cool passage, and there's a lot in it. Basically, this section of Ephesians is like Paul's summary of the whole book. It's his conclusion. He's like, these are the things I want you to take from this book. And the first thing that stands out to me in this passage is that Paul is emphasizing just how real the spiritual battle is. Okay, so take a look at verses 11 and 12 again. I say, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so verse 12 says that our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil, not against flesh and blood. Okay, so what, what does that mean exactly? Um, I think for me, often it's tempting to ignore the spiritual realm because it isn't usually or visible. It is biblical. <laughs> um, it isn't usually visible. And I know that for me, I am just a very, like, visual person. So, like, if, so if something is in front of me, I s can see it, I think about it, and it's on my mind. If I can't see it, it's not on my mind as much. So, for example, uh, this fall, I just had a terrible time sleeping. Like, for several months, I would 
like go to bed at night and I would just lay there until like three or four in the morning on a regular basis and not be able to sleep. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, why can't I not sleep? And my gut reaction to that uh, was to do everything I possibly could to figure out a logical conclusion to that. So I like WebMD'd or whatever um, and like looked up like as many logical things to like my sleep problem as I could. You know, what am I eating? Like, is there a medicine I can take? Like, do I need to go to the doctor? What do I need to do? And it actually took me a long time to think about it from a spiritual standpoint. I think it was Brandon who actually pointed out to me uh, after, like, a while. Uh, and he was like, you know, right now you're doing, like, a lot. Like, you're leading core. You are speaking at Kappa. You are teaching the Bible. Um, you're doing things that are advancing the kingdom of God. It's like, why wouldn't Satan want to stop that? And I don't say that to, like, brag and be like, hey, look at me. I'm so cool. <laughs> but I say that because if we are engaged in advancing God's kingdom, Satan is going to attack us, and we need to be, like, ready for that. And I think often we fall into the trap of just being unaware of the spiritual forces around us. So what is Paul saying when he says our battle is not against flesh and blood? Well, he's communicating that evil spiritual forces are very, very real and that Satan is actively opposing those who follow Jesus. So how aware are we of our daily battle against the forces of evil? How aware are we of our daily battle against the forces of evil? Okay, all throughout the Bible, it talks about how the devil's goal is to turn us away from God. Um, and he does that in a lot of different ways. Like, Satan has a lot of different tactics. Okay, so if we look at John eight forty four, it says, When he lies, he is the devil, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here it says, Satan is a liar. You know, he wants to deceive us. He wants to trick us and tell us false things. Uh, if you think about Genesis 3, you know, Satan um, tempts Adam and Eve to sin. So Satan is a tempter. He wants us to be tempted to disobey God. In 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 to 11, it says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Okay, so Satan also schemes against us. He has, like, a plan, and he wants to pull us away from God. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil. So the devil is about sickness and death and destruction and pain. Every single day, the devil is lying to us, he is tempting us, he's scheming against us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is of the utmost importance that we are aware of who our real enemy is. You know, when you don't feel like coming to Kyalpha randomly on a Tuesday, maybe you're just like, wow, I'm really, really tired today or something. Like, do you ever think about why that is? Like, what is the root behind that? You know, of course Satan doesn't want you to come to Kyalpha because 
He knows that this is a loving community of God's people. Why would he want you to participate in that? Or, you know, like, when it's really hard to do your God time or read your Bible and you just, like, don't feel like it. Do you ever think about, like, why is that? Satan knows that if you read your Bible and spend time with the Lord, you're going to grow in your relationship with him. Or if you get sick right before a retreat, like, do you ever think, like, wow, why did I just get sick right here? Well, maybe Satan doesn't want you to participate in that. Or if you don't want to, or if you're, if you're scared or feel inadequate to share Jesus with your friend, like, why are you trapped in that fear? Do you ever think that Satan is lying to you, saying you're inadequate to do something because he doesn't want your friend to hear about Jesus? How aware are we of our true enemy? When stuff happens, do we assume it's a coincidence, or do we know that it is part of the battle? From a purely human perspective, this is terrifying, (laughs) right? If we think about, like, there's a devil and demons whose goal it is to separate us from God and, like, get us, like, that's terrifying to think about from just a human perspective. But guys, fortunately we have God, (laughs) right? And we're part of his kingdom and we're on his side. Take a look at verses 10 and 11. They say, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Be strong in God's mighty power. On our own strength, just as like wimpy people, we don't have a lot of hope against the devil. But we have access to incomprehensible amounts of power in Jesus. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to bring him glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is the one who equips us to stand against the devil. We do not need to be afraid at all, because Jesus has already defeated Satan, and he now uh, invites us to join the battle against him. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we do that, like, practically? You know, what tools does God equip us with to stand against demonic powers? Well, fortunately, it's nicely laid out in the next few verses. So (laughs) we're going to look at those. Uh, I'm going to read verses 13 to 17 again. They say, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so how does God equip us to stand firm against the devil? Well, Satan uses this fun analogy of getting dressed for battle, or kind of putting on a suit of armor. And the first thing he says is to put on the belt of truth. So what exactly is that? Like, What is the belt of truth? Paul is saying that we need to be people who are rooted in the gospel of truth, in the truth of the gospel. 
So imagine with me for just a second that you are putting on a suit of armor, you know, as we do. Uh, <laughs> once you have like all your like undergarments on and stuff, you would probably put the belt on pretty early, right? Um, it would kind of be like a foundation or like a starting point of the suit. It might hold your sword, or like you don't, you probably wouldn't like hold your shield before you put on your belt. So you'd probably put your belt on pretty early. In the same way, our foundation as followers of Jesus must be the truth that Jesus is Lord and that he has rescued us from sin. Our foundation as followers of Jesus must be the truth that Jesus is Lord and he has rescued us from sin. Okay, we talked about this earlier this quarter in Ephesians 1.13, which says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Our ability to fight against Satan begins with our relationship with Jesus and the outflow of that relationship. As we get to know God more and more, you know, as we start imaging God more and more, our thinking and our attitudes and our actions are going to change to look more like God. And as we image God, we start acting like him, doing the things that he does. That is what advances God's kingdom against the devils. Because we have to put on the belt of truth. We have to be rooted in the truth of the gospel. So do you guys know who you are in Jesus? Do you know that you are forgiven? Do you know how much he loves you and that he died to save you? Are you rooted in that truth? Next he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, and I think that righteousness is one of those like big words in the Bible that we often read and we're like, oh yeah, righteousness. Um, kind of like sanctification and justification. Like there are all these like big words that we hear a lot as Christians, but we just, it's easy to breeze over them and not really think about what that means. And so what exactly is righteousness? Well, righteousness essentially means to be presentable before God, both morally and relationally. Be presentable before God, both morally and relationally. Which honestly, if we think about that, that's pretty impossible to do on our own, right? Like God is perfect and holy and has standards that are higher than we could ever meet. And so when we think about being presentable morally and relationally, like I think about myself and I'm like, I'm not that, <laughs> you know? So how in the world do we go about putting on righteousness? Well, this verse is actually like really cool. Um, Paul is referring to Isaiah 59, 17. Um, and that says... He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And in this verse, the author here is talking about God. He's saying that God put on righteousness and salvation. So when Paul is referencing this verse, he is saying that like this righteousness he's talking about, like that's God's own armor. <laughs> like that is God's righteousness. And so when we think about, um, it, it's similar to when we talked in Ephesians 4 about putting on the new self. In the same way, we put on, like God puts his righteousness on us. He like does it for us. He gives us his own armor. And I think one of Satan's strongest tactics uh, is to tell us that we have messed up so bad that we will never be presentable before God. 
right? When we make a s- mistake or we sin, um, it's not our gut reaction to be like, hey, guys, guess what? Like, I sinned, um, or hey, God, like, this is what happened, I sinned. You know, our gut reaction is usually to feel so much shame that we want to, like, withdraw and, like, run away from God. But what Paul is saying is that, like, God has already given us his own righteousness. And so when we hear those lies, you know, Satan's a liar, and he says, you know, you're never going to measure up. You're never going to be good enough. You can't make yourself righteous. We can respond to that by saying, yeah, like, I, on my own, am never going to be good enough. But you know what? Like Jesus has given me his righteousness. He has forgiven me. He has made me pure. Okay? Um, so next, Paul says, uh, to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And this one is pretty straightforward. Basically, when we uh, tell people about Jesus, we are fighting Satan and ex- advancing God's kingdom. Okay, so when we tell people about Jesus, we are fighting Satan and advancing God's kingdom. First uh, Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, so God's spirit makes us bold to share our faith with our friends. And I think sometimes we think that we have to be like a professional to share our faith or a professional to tell people about Jesus. And that's just like so not true. Like you can like think about who is in your sphere of influence. Who do you sit next to in a class? Like do you have a roommate? Who are your friends? Who do you hang out with? You know, um, if we have a friendship with Jesus, if we have a relationship with Jesus, just like talk about your friend, you know? Talk to your classmate about what God is doing in your life. Talk to them about how he has influenced you. So who is God asking you to share with? Think about that for a second. Who might God want you to share the gospel with? Next he says, take up the shield of faith. Okay, so think, when I think about this one, I think about, like, grabbing hold of a shield. Um, And taking up the shield of faith is, like, grabbing a hold of God's promises in his word. Okay, so when Satan says that you are alone, grab hold of God's promise to never leave you or forsake you. You know, when he says that you are worthless, grab hold of God's promise that you are made in his image. When he says that you are too weak or too shy to share the gospel, grab hold of God's promise that his spirit gives us power. There are so many promises in the word of God that we can grab hold of and hold on to. And then finally he says, put on the, s- the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit that is God's word. Okay, when we're in a spiritual battle, we can remember that God is the one who has accomplished our salvation, right? That is done on the cross when Jesus died and rose again. And then, when the devil is lying to us, we can fight those lies with the word of God. Okay, scripture is so powerful, you guys. Um, And it's really uh, important that we know scripture for, like, all of this armor, right? Like, how, how can we have faith in God's promises if we do not read the Bible and don't know what his promises are? Or how can we tell people about Jesus if we aren't familiar with what Jesus does in God's word? 
how can we recognize Satan if that Satan is lying if we don't know what God's truth is? Okay, so it's so important that we are people who are rooted in the truth of God's scripture. So how are you doing at letting God equip you with this armor? You know, how is your relationship with him right now? Do you know that he has made you righteous? Are you familiar with the promises in his word? Do you read and memorize scripture? How are you doing at letting God equip you with this armor? Okay, so these are the weapons that the devil uses, or sorry, <laughs> if these are the weapons that we use against the devil, um, how are we actually going to like do that? How are we actually going to use them? Um, let's look at verses 18 to 20 really quick. They say, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am, which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Okay, so when I first read the section, if I'm being honest, I kind of thought it was an afterthought. Like, you know, put on all this armor, fight the devil. Oh yeah, don't forget to pray. <laughs> that's just, that's how I read it. But actually, this is the section, in this section of scripture, this part is emphasized more than any of the other armor. Prayer is foundational for the deployment of all the other weapons. Okay, think about that for a second. You know, how, how do we get God's truth to permeate our brains? Well, we read the Bible, and then we talk to God about it, right? It's about a relationship. How do we uh, remember that we are righteous before God? Well, we thank God that <laughs> he has made us righteous. You know, how, um, how do we get God's word into our heads and hearts? Well, we read the Bible, and we talk to God about it. There's so much power available to us through prayer. And I know for me, it's, it's really easy often to get stuck in, like, selfish prayers. And so it's easy for me to pray, like, hey, God, like, help me have a good day today, please, or help me be able to sleep tonight, or, you know, help me not get sick. Um, and I don't, there's, like, nothing wrong with that. But one thing I notice is that in this passage, Paul is literally in prison, right? Like, if you read it, he says he is in chains. And back then, the prisons were not glamorous pl places. Um, you know, like, he might not have known, like, where his next meal was coming from or, uh, like, if he was going to have enough water or, like, sanitation. He thought he might be, like, sentenced to death. And so this is the situation that he is in. Um, and if it was me, I'd be like, hey, pray that, like, I don't die today, please. Or, you know, pray that, like, I get out of prison. But Paul asked for prayer to be able to better share the gospel. What does that tell you about his focus? What does that tell you about his priorities? You know, what if we start praying like that? You know, what if we start praying that God would use us as our, in our role as his righteous children? What if we started praying for opportunities to share Jesus with our friends? 
What if we started praying that God would grow our faith or that he would grow our community? That he would help us know his word better. What if we started praying prayers like that? So tonight, as we close out our series, I want to ask you, how are you doing at letting God equip you for warfare? You know, don't be like me on the hike. (laughs) Don't try and hike a mountain with jeans and no water. How are you doing at letting God equip you for warfare? Are you aware of the battle, or are you blind to spiritual forces in your life? Have you put on all the armor? Is there a piece that you're ignoring? And how is God asking your prayer life to look different? What bold prayer is God asking you to pray? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come on up. Um, and as always, you guys can journal about these questions, think about these questions, uh, talk to someone if you need to. Um, yeah, the worship team is going to go ahead and come on up and start playing. So I will pray for us. Lord, thank you so much uh, for who you are, God. Thank you for your word. Jesus, I just pray that you'd be, um, yeah, just nudging each of us in the direction that you want us to uh, think and grow in, God. I pray that we'd be really aware of your spirit right now, God, and that you would speak to each and every one of us tonight. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are faithful and that you speak. Amen.